Welcome to the Building Interest Podcast presented by Leader Bank, a series of free-flowing conversations on a wide range of banking and money-related subjects. We are here to discuss all the issues that impact your financial future. Do you want to buy a home, start a small business, or secure your financial future? Or maybe you want to maximize your savings ability, get your budget in order. We can help. Our talks with experts and influencers across the world of banking will set you in the right direction. I'm your host, Greg Farber. Let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Building Interest Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Farber, and today is going to be an exciting conversation as I'm here with Lindsay Rohan, First Vice President of Bank Innovation, and Eric Pru, First Vice President of Residential Lending Innovation. So, both of you, we've crossed paths a number of times on different projects over the years, and I know your role has evolved even from those times. So maybe, Lindsay, start us off. Just kind of share with us what bank innovation is and what you do. Yeah, definitely. So my team, we support our deposit front lines, which include our business and government banking teams, our branches, our Elevate team, and then also our back office teams, deposit operations, loan servicing. And we kind of cover three main areas. So one is researching and rolling out new products and technologies that would help those departments. Two is improving existing technologies and trying to always keep a step ahead. And then third is to um, help teams with process efficiencies. So is it fair to say that you're really focused on improving the client experience, make it more seamless for the end user, regardless of who that might be? Definitely. So we sit in the middle of so many groups and we're constantly working with the teams to see how we can make the experience better, whether that's an efficiency that a team can make to get things done faster for clients or whether that's just improving something that we offer to clients. So when you say new products, you don't even necessarily mean a banking product. You might mean something on the back end that helps an operations team be more efficient or something along those lines. Exactly. So one of the things we did um, two years ago was DocuSign and rolling that out, not even just for our teams, but bank-wide. When COVID hit and it was kind of imperative, we did have a vendor, but once we got DocuSign, it really spurred how much we could leverage it and making things faster and easier for clients to get things done with us. Awesome. Now, Eric, I don't want to forget about you. Um, on paper, your role sounds an awful lot like Lindsay's. Your titles sound almost exactly the same, um, but I know your focus is a bit different. Can you tell us a little bit about residential lending innovation and what that involves? Yeah, the, the role is very, very similar to, to Lindsay's. Um, and we actually you know, talk regularly and, and bounce ideas off each other because the, at the end of the day, the objective is the same. We're serving our internal and external clients by either supporting existing systems that we have, rolling out new products, we're rolling out new technologies, and uh, lastly, uh, working on process improvement. So our goal at the end of the day is always to how can we better serve our clients? Is that our internal, external clients help loans get through our process faster, make it easier for clients to interact with us? That's really the gist of what uh, res lending innovation is, and it's really more than um, it's really rooted in a, like a mindset. We approach everything with how can we make this better, how can we improve, and how can we better serve our customers. And that's really our focus on a day-to-day. But not just the client, like the, like the client that actually has the loan, but the client that might be a realtor partner or an attorney partner or our internal loan officers or, or anything like that. You're talking about any aspect of a relationship where we might have a technology that could improve that? Exactly. So in 2019, we partnered with a local fintech 
called Regora to just automate our appraisal ordering. Um, there was a whole list of reasons why we did that. Some of them were for client service. Some were for our own internal efficiencies. Um, but when we partnered with them, one of the things that we were able to do is automate the ordering. And that really helped reduce or in, improved quality, accuracy of the orders, the timing of it was very consistent when they went out. Um, we saw um, a significant lift in our, in our operation after implementing that. So you're seeing, seeing an improvement in an internal process, but you're also seeing an improvement in how that translates to the external client experience. Exactly. Yeah. And even our um, appraisal partners that we work with, they also benefit because they've got a centralized portal to work with us. Um, and then also it also improved our uh, accounting process because we're able to move from a manual invoice review process to one that was more data driven. So you both kind of touched on something that, that you were a part of a project that you rolled out. And maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit here in the conversation, but I feel like this is kind of where we're going here is how, how do you come up with, with these ideas? How do you find new ideas? What the next project is going to be? Like, you, obviously we say innovation, we're thinking something new or something that's going to make an improvement. How does that even, how does that start when you, you get up in the morning and you're like, okay, and now I'm going to find something to improve somewhere. How does, how does that come about? I could take that one. Um, you know, this, I kind of break that into two different categories. There's ones that more like iterative where we do, we recognize a flaw in our process, the way that we're doing it, and we'll kind of research our options and see if there's a better way or more efficient way that we could be doing it. And then there's others that are much more directional. On a day-to-day -day basis, our team members internally are highlighting um, inefficiencies or things that need to be reworked. And so we're always evaluating them and putting them through our process of if we have the time now, can we handle it? Can we take it on? What's the impact? Um, and we do enough of those iterative uh, improvements that it it leads to in, in aggregate uh, an overall improvement in our process. So some are highly focused and then some are um, opportunities that we identify on just on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think listening to clients of what they're asking for, whether that's internal or external, they guide us a lot of times and we don't even have to really figure out what to do next. They're telling us what they want and where to go. Um, and I think we have some great examples of successes in the past where if you just listen to what their needs are and try to solve for that need and prioritize based on the impact of that, it can take you really far. That's actually exactly what I was going to ask you next is kind of like that you're not just innovating a project that you're given, but you have your ears to the ground and you're kind of feeling out where the business units or the clients outside are having pain points or, or things that, that we can innovate on top of. I think that's pretty cool. So earlier when we were just sort of chatting, you mentioned shiny object and I was curious if you could kind of um, talk about that a little bit, how you actually decide what is an innovation worth pursuing as opposed to what's just something that looks really flashy but might not be of value. I think in residential lending side, it really comes down to evaluating, like, does this fit in with our business model? Is it going to improve, a, improve our process? Is it something that's a priority to us right now? Um, there's lots and lots of fintechs that have popped up over the last five to 10 years, and not everything is a great, is the right fit for uh for us and it might be where we are in our evolution um you know where we've where we've grown to or things that we need to do before we'll be ready for that improvement so just because someone else has a fancy new technology doesn't mean it's right for us and part of what you guys do is determine if it's going to be the right thing for leader and the way we want to grow i think that's exactly right like listening like i said earlier to our clients and kind of what's going to fit their needs there's 
as Eric mentioned, there's so many cool fintechs out there and a lot of them specialize on something and that may or may not benefit our client base. We've looked at a lot of technology and then just ruled out we don't have enough demand to do that and we have more important priorities, like Eric said, on the residential lending side. So I think it's kind of that balancing act of what's cool, but what's going to actually make an impact for our client base. And I think at the same time, like we're always keeping, we're always learning about new companies and new technologies and building that like Rolodex. So when we do encounter an issue, okay, yep, we have a solution for that. Let's go reach out and partner with them and uh, integrate that into our process. So then let's jump ahead. Now you've chosen a project, you've chosen a, a, a fintech you want to work with or something you want to innovate in-house or something. Now, what does that process look like internally in terms of the teams you work with and, and how that how that actually comes to fruition within the bank. I think everything we do is a team effort. So it's not just our team, me and Eric, or our teams that are below us. It's company-wide teams that are working towards one common goal. And whether they have a small piece of that or a large piece in that, it's incorporating them early and making sure you have those open lines of communication so that when you get to that final point, there's no surprises. Everyone's prepared we have our clients ready to go and it's going to have the best result possible. I think that's what we always strive for. So it's not Lindsay's pet project or Lindsay's team's pets project. The team is the entirety of, of the bank and whoever's going to be an affected uh, department or, or client. Teamwork is so important to every project that we do. Yeah. And I think the beauty of, of the leader bank culture that it's not about one person, like you just said, it really is the collective, um, contributions it could be from somebody who's giving feedback during user testing or it could be a department head that you know this it's really important to their area it might help improve a process that they have um, but it's really that collaboration and um, you know constant kind of feedback and it's everybody working together towards that greater goal I think a good example of that is our business banking team right now, they're working on something for municipalities, offering new solutions. And I'm not out there talking to all the municipalities, although I'm sure they'd love to bring me along with them, and sometimes they do. But they're the ones kind of starting that dialogue and making sure they go deep and ask those questions so that when they come back, we have enough information to actually build a product or see the viability of that. And then we can work with maybe our technology, our IT team, or some of the other teams to make it happen. So it definitely has a flow from start to finish, and it involves multiple teams to really get yeah. that right result. Internal and external teams. Yes. Um, did you have a background in, in retail banking before taking on this role, or was it all sort of homegrown? Homegrown. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I actually came here right out of school, right out of college, and I was more looking for an analyst type of role, not really in the banking segment directly, and came across Leader and just really was intrigued by the fast growth and the unique things that they were doing. To me, it wasn't the traditional bank setting and came over, did the interviews, kind of felt right at home right away. And the rest is kind of history. When you say you felt right at home, you you started in an analyst role. Obviously, you weren't heading up bank innovation at the time. Uh, what kind of projects were you were you? I mean, the reason I'm asking this, right, is that we think of banking as a very traditional sort of money product thing, and here you come in and you're saying you're not money product at all. You don't have a background in retail banking, and all of a sudden you found this niche. 
Uh, like what kind of things were you working on that, that you got developed into this direction? So when I first came over, um, it was actually right when Z, Z Rent was launching, which was kind of cool. So I helped with the customer support and kind of learned the ins and the outs of that product. It happened before it was developed, obviously, before I came. That's a great example of listening to our clients' needs because we have a huge rental market in the Boston area. We did a ton of two to four family mortgages for those clients and the fintechs or the technology being offered was really specific to property managers that have 50, 100 plus units. So there was a gap and we were seeing a lot of um, businesses coming in, landlords coming into our branches to make deposits. So um, just kind of listening to those experiences. So I helped with that and kind of getting it off the ground. And then they, they went a different direction. But I think those principles of the technology and being able to support that. Did it almost feel like you were working more for a fintech than for a bank? A little bit, yeah. yeah. But I had also some branch focus at the same time. Okay. So there was a, a balance there. So um, you could build that experience on the branch side to add to where you become now. Right, exactly. And Eric, if I'm not mistaken, you also came to Leader right out of college. Is that right? That's correct. I joined uh, November of 2012. So coming How'd up you on find 10 years. Us? Through a friend referral, um, I figured that I would stay for about six months while I found a new job. Lofty I did not, goals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think um, that the mortgage business was something that was interesting to me. It's funny. You talk to a lot of mortgage professionals and it feels like everybody kind of stumbles on it. What happened? Where'd you go wrong? Um, I had a lot of fun. So I kept learning and there was opportunities um, presented. So I started in our post-closing department, then moved on to our processing department and had kind of had a goal to, that I wanted to be an underwriter. And by the time that I became an underwriter, I was constantly talking with the team that was managing the technology at the time and asking them, hey, could we improve this? Uh, right. I think you were actually on that team. Yep. Um, but we were kind of, I was always gravitating towards how can we make this process better? How, what technology we can use to improve the process, reduce the amount of work or number of screens that somebody has to go to um, and got the opportunity to move over to technology and yeah, the rest is history. Right. And again, same kind of thing now. Now, do you feel at this point you're a little bit more fintech than traditional banking? Yes, definitely. And it's a lot of fun. Um, we get to partner with fin like legitimate fintechs. Um, but I feel like the the culture and, and the mindset within the bank is that we operate like a fintech. Um, we're not you know, going out and raising a series A or a seed round, but um, we approach everything with how can we make this better? And almost always there's a technology component um, in that. We've talked about how you both came right out of college. I mean, how do you, how do you feel that that, you know, does that, is that an advantage for you? Is, is this a, a situation where you have a unique skill set that allows you to contribute in a different way? I think that Eric and I, we do bring a um, fresh set of eyes to different things and um, we can understand the process and how things integrate by working with the fintechs. Not to say that you have to be a younger to do that, but I think that we're more accustomed to having those day-to-day -to -day touch points and growing up with technology than some. So it's a little bit easier for us to adapt in certain ways. A great example in, from residential lending is when we first rolled out that new point of sale system. A lot of the conversations with our loan officers was this tool is also benefit is beneficial for the client and it's also beneficial for you developing the relationship is you know they, there was a mindset that when i'm on the phone taking an application from a client that's when i'm developing the relationship and really how we sold it internally is 
that's not when you're actually developing a relationship, when you're getting like transactional information from somebody. It's in the guidance that in the value that you provide to the client. And that was, I feel like that represents like how we approach technologies. How do you couple the improvements that we can get from technology with the human um, interaction? And that's really where um, I think the secret sauce is in, in the financial services. So maybe using technology to improve that contact point and sort of making an efficiency there, letting that loan officer or whoever it is save some time on the front end, freeing that time up then to have that guidance angle where they can develop that more personal relationship with the client. Is that yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah, I mean, another example would be a scheduling tool that we've implemented in the past few years is giving somebody the ability to just schedule an appointment with a loan officer or a banker just through uh, a, a URL. It's integrated with their calendar, so they know when they book that appointment that they're going to be ready and available to chat. And you don't have to have that back and forth um, via email or over text or when can I call you? Now is not a good time. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. No cold calls over dinner. Yep, exactly. Nice. Now, when people, I don't know, maybe you don't tell your friends and family where you work, but we all go home at, at night and at some point we're sitting around and they're like, oh, what do you do for work? Oh, I work at a bank. And, and sometimes that kind of gets a bit of a blank stare, like people don't really know what to associate with that. Do you find that they, they're surprised to hear that you're really more focused on technology and innovation rather than people's checking accounts? I do think it's common for people to think brick and mortar, the branch locations, maybe the loan office, loan offices, uh, when you think of banking, but there's so much more to it. Not even just the innovation, just the complexities of the back office teams and all the departments that support and keep everything running. So I think, yes, people can be surprised. I think that I've tried to perfect how I describe what our team does. And I think that helps, but it usually does require some sort of explanation. You're absolutely right, though, about that. I mean, I know that I've learned just a huge amount of information about what happens on the back end of, of the bank, just moving from res lending to a different area and trying to understand how it all comes together. And, and you're right, that's not always um, necessarily obvious to everyone. Eric, I was going to ask your take kind of on that same same line, like if you're if you're describing your role and, and you're not really traditional banking, um, how do you how do you see yourself and, and how do you portray yourself as sort of being that innovator? And it really depends on the person. Like if I know the background, and so it really like if somebody I think is genuinely interested, then that tends to lead to a much deeper conversation about what I do, what are the changes that we're making. Um, what I find most what ends up happening most often is somebody's interested in becoming a home buyer and that's where the conversation leads to like it'll go down that path instead because they find that to be really intriguing and for myself I, I i'm thankful that i'm in the the role that i'm in because i feel like i have you know a, t a wealth of knowledge about uh, home buying strategies it kind of demystifies that whole process um and so that's where a lot of those conversations end up leading for me so that's a really interesting point, and it kind of brings me to where I was going to go next with this, was that you have this background, and Lindsay, you mentioned that you worked on some retail projects, and obviously, Eric, you mentioned about post-closing and processing and underwriting and everything, and you know, it's one thing to have technology and have someone who, who is all about innovation and thinks about technology trying to sort of drive the bus, but doesn't really know where the bus is going, mm -hmm. but to have you guys be part of also the underlying teams and understand what people are trying to accomplish. Um, share with us a little bit how that background knowledge helps you 
be more effective and able to implement kind of new ideas? I think for me, it kind of gave me some standing in the conversations. I mean, I moved into this role when I was 26. Um, thankfully, I had that background and understood each part because it, it gave the, if it was a team member, a department manager, a senior leader, anybody like it was like, okay, Eric understands the process and now understands how we can improve the process because he has deep knowledge of the under of that underlying process. So you're not an outsider coming in with a great idea. You're an insider coming in with a great idea. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that by having that knowledge, I think Eric would probably agree. A lot of times the departments, especially when it's cross-functional, they know what their team does, but they don't know if they want to change something, how that's going to impact the other teams. So we can have that kind of full picture of what we're trying to accomplish and making sure that each team is represented and kind of facilitate some of that change for them where um, if they just try to do that directly, they might not be as successful. I'm sure they would be successful. Has that ever happened right across you guys that you guys have projects that end up crossing over from one one to the other or are you guys really in, in totally different worlds? I would say mostly we're separate, but we have had a few crossing where we were trying to streamline how we book loans from origination all the way through loan servicing. So Eric supports origination, I support loan servicing, right. and we kind of had to come together between all the departments that to make that happen. Right, because ultimately it all ties in. It's the same customer information that, that comes through in the different departments. So I know Eric only wanted to work here for six months, but right now it looks like you both <laughs> clearly enjoy working here. Um, and obviously the bank value is having you guys as team members. Can you, you know, I've seen you guys advance through, through your careers here myself firsthand. And, and I'm just curious what you can say about our culture. And and we've had this this effort in the last year and a half to really revamp what it means to be leader bank. And we have a brand Bible and we've, we've refreshed all of our sort of marketing and everything. How do you guys fit into that and, and what is the culture at Leader Bank and how is that enabling you to, to be, have become who you are? I think there's two big components to the culture that really at least helps my team when it comes to moving the needle. One is when we have a challenge or if we're trying to solve for something, really going deep and understanding every part of that and trying to get all the details that we can to make sure that whatever solution we come up with, it's actually going to solve that need. Or maybe it's not going to actually benefit that many clients. So we don't want to invest the time and the resources in that. So kind of having that open-mindedness and um, curiosity to different things is really critical. I think the second piece to that is kind of creating a learning environment where it's safe to fail. Because you're not going to be successful with everything that you do. And you're going to try different things. And sometimes it may work and sometimes it won't. And pivoting from those moments is crucial. But being allowing all the team members to feel safe in doing that is really important. So a supportive brainstorming environment to, to kind of condense it into three words or less. Yeah. Where hopefully you get all those out before <laughs> you launch something. But Of course. Before we wrap up... Um, any advice for listeners, anyone thinking maybe to get into this industry, um, people just starting out their career and they're thinking, oh, maybe, I, you know, I like technology. I, I'm, I'm all about technology and I never thought banking would be the place for that. Um, what would you say to, to someone who may be thinking of making a career switch or starting out? Whenever I give advice to anybody who's interested in this 
um, industry or really any industry, it's to be a sponge, to learn as much as you can and really make sure that you start to understand the why. Because once you start understand the why of what you're doing, then you can um, enact change. Ask questions. Don't, um, don't be afraid to fail. And I think those are a lot of the things that the leader culture has, um, which has allowed us to get to the point of where we are now. Yeah, I completely echo that. I mean, I kind of said that a few minutes ago, but just having that learning mindset is so crucial. You never know where you're going to use something down the road. Or I was talking to you guys earlier before this about how I sat in the residential lending office, but I had nothing to do with residential lending and just kind of hearing what was going on. I can, I'm able to use that now when supporting loan servicing or some of the other departments. The more you know about different areas, the better you can fit in the whole more dangerous you become. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both so much for being here. If you have any other parting thoughts, by all means. And uh, again, thank you for making the time. It was really fun talking to both of you and, and watching you develop into these innovators that you've become. Thank, thank you, Greg. You. For more information on today's subject, visit leaderbank.com. In addition to past episodes, you can also find our corresponding blog entries for more insights. This podcast is a production of LeaderBank NA, Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC, NMLS number 449250.